Hello everyone and welcome to the daily newspaper analysis which is presented to you by Lawseeko. So today we have two articles to discuss. The first one is from the Hindu which is titled as India does have a refugee problem. So this basically talks about the norms and various international treaties which India is or is not a member of and therefore many times it creates confusion and it changes the status of the refugee people that many a times seek refuge in our country. So what are the steps that can be taken in this direction have also been discussed in this article. The second one is from the Indian Express which is titled as Indian international law and the US assertion so this talks about the recent announcement that has been made by the US navy that it would carry a military exercise in the exclusive economic zone of India so what are the rights that the indian uh, india as a country has in this direction and what are the international laws that are attached with this particular area and finally we have the news in flash column So let's start a discussion with the first article for the day which talks about India's refugee problem and the need for legal measures. So as we know that refugee inflows in India take place at many a times be it from Bangladesh or specifically from Myanmar. And specifically keeping in mind the military coup that is going on in Myanmar the Rohingya Muslims that belong to the Rakhine province of Myanmar have been fleeing into the Indian premises from the states of Manipur Mizoram, Tripura, etc. Though Tripura does not share a direct border with Myanmar, but Tripura is one state that faces the refugees from both the Bangladesh as well as Myanmar. So the refugee inflows in India are likely to end any time soon, given the geopolitical, economic, ethnic, and religious contexts of the region. Now, as we know that the Indian government this time surprisingly has not been very supportive of these refugees fleeing towards India, and that is why the legal status of these refugees who have already come to India is debatable at the international front. So, if you talk about that, what are the current issues that are attached with this current situation? The first one is the ambiguity in the policies. Now, this perhaps is the biggest and the basic problem which is there in dealing with the refugees, specifically in India, because there is a whole lot of confusion and ambiguity in the various policies that talk about these refugees. So, specifically, these policies towards the illegal immigrants and refugees that consider both as one. Now, definitely, illegal immigrants and refugees are not something that can be equated and that are not something that are same. Because illegal immigrants are those who purposefully, not for saving their lives, but to do something that may be harmful in nature as well, they come and cross the borders of the countries. But refugees, they are actually persecuted and are forced from their native countries and thus to save their lives, their children and families, they have to run away to the other countries. So that is why illegal immigrants are the one who voluntarily take this step. Rather, refugees are forced because they have to save their lives. But in various policies and the confusion that lies in these policies, illegal immigrants and refugees both are treated as the same. So according to the Foreigners Act of 1946, a foreigner means a person who is not a citizen of India. And also, India is not a party to the 1951 Refugee Convention and its 1967 Protocol. And that is why many a times it becomes really difficult to make anything binding upon India. And so, the definition of foreigner is twisted and turned several times, keeping in mind what political relations or what political agenda are in the minds of the government. 
The second issue is that India's current refugee policy is guided by ad hocism. Now, by ad hocism, we mean that there is something not permanent that is followed as a definition of the refugees. Rather, it is on the temporary basis and completely depends upon the ideology, on the you know the forefront or the decision of the government as to when and to whom they would consider as a refugee and when they would consider a person as an illegal immigrant. So that is why such temporary attitude due to the politicization of the issues has become really difficult and that is why the status of such people who migrate from other nations towards India are sometimes misguided and are termed as to, to be as the illegal immigrants whereas when the relations are good and maybe the government wants to give some message of humanity they are considered to be as refugees. So rather, instead of having a concrete definition of such people, the definition has been now dependent upon the domestic politicization of such issues. And India has been one of the largest recipients of refugees in the world. Now, keeping in mind the strategic location that India has, with most of its countries, India faces the problem of bringing in refugees. Now, be it from the side of Pakistan or Afghanistan, wherein a lot of persecuted Hindus, Sikhs have been moving towards India. And if you talk about Bangladesh and Myanmar, a lot of ethnic minorities from there also flee towards India. And many a times, even from the side of Sri Lanka, the Tamilians, which are the which were earlier the Indian Tamilians, now the Hindu Tamilians over there also seek refuge in the country. And that is why India is one of those nations in the world that have or receive the largest recipients of the refugees in the world. So if we talk about the legal and moral complexities which are attached with this issue, so the first one is that India is not acceding to the 1951 convention for the following reasons. Now, as we just discussed that India is not a party to the 1951 refugee convention. So here are the reasons. The first one, the definition of refugees in 1951 convention only pertains to the violation of civil and political rights, but not economic. That is why the definition becomes narrower and it becomes easier to let people out of this particular definition. Then the northern countries are violating the convention in both letter and spirit through their non-entry regime. So many a times there are countries that have signed the 1951 refugee convention and yet they have this particular clause of non-entry regime and still they violate the convention in both letter and spirit. And thus there seems to be no such incentivization that remains for India to join this particular convention in the first place and to recognize these refugees as only refugees and not illegal immigrants. Further, this article also proposes that to deal with such situations, we need to have domestic laws. Now maybe in the case of domestic laws, the Citizenship Amendment Act might come to your mind. But it should not be forgotten, forgotten that the CAA is itself not a solution to the problem as it is itself thought to be deeply discriminatory in nature and many people say that it fails to address the concerns of the refugees. Because if at all it is considering the refugees, it is only considering the refugees of the religions like Buddhism, Sikhism, Hinduism, etc. And the Muslim minorities are still not included. And thus even the Rohingya people would not be included under this. Then the domestic law should provide for temporary shelter and work permit and distinguish between temporary migrant worker and illegal immigrant and refugees. So this should be the center of the domestic laws wherein the adequate shelter and food should be provided to such refugees and also some temporary work permits should be provided so that they can sustain their lives in the country for the time being. 
with this let's discuss the second article for the day which talks about india's exclusive economic zone and the international law so recently the us navy or the united states navy announced that the uss john paul which is from the 7th fleet of the us navy we'll know about it as well had asserted navigational rights and freedoms approx 130 nautical miles west of lakshadweep inside india's exclusive economic zone without requesting india's prior consent consistent with international law now here what has happened is that us uh navy has actually tried to move its uss john paul uh, ship uh, into 130 nautical miles area which is on the west of lakshadweep and it falls well within the india's exclusive economic zone and even no permission or request for such permission or consent has been still sought so our area of concern is that whether or not any other country is allowed such navigational rights in another country's exclusive economic zone or not so with this the response from india side has been that the united nations convention on the law of the sea does not authorize other states to carry out in the exclusive economic zone or on the continental shelf the military exercises or maneuvers in particular use of weapons explosives without the consent of the coastal state so here as we know that india is a party of the unclos which is the united nations convention on the law of the sea so it has stated that it would not allow such any kind kind of intervention in its exclusive economic zone or even in its continental shelf now please don't worry we will also discuss as to which areas in the waters are considered to be as the exclusive economic zone the continental shelf as well as the high sea so it said that any such movement by other country shall not be allowed specifically if it is a military exercise or maneuver and in particular if there is a use of any kinds of weapons or explosive and thus the consent of such coastal state as we know that india has a coastline of itself is definitely now a coastal state so it shall not allow the us navy So if we talk about the freedom of navigation operations so it involves the passages conducted by the US Navy through waters claimed by coastal nations as their exclusive territory just in this case as the India as India as a coastal nation is claiming and if we talk about the 7th fleet of the US Navy so it is the largest of the US Navy's forward deployed fleets with 70 ships and submarines 150 aircrafts and approximately 20000 sailors at any given time So India has a close encounter with it during 1971 war with Pakistan and if we talk about the exclusive economic zone so according to the United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea exclusive economic zone is an area which is beyond and adjacent so here are two things attached to it that is it is an area which is beyond but is also adjacent to the territorial sea subject to the specific legal regime and if we talk about the legal regime it means the rights and jurisdiction of the coastal states and rights and freedoms of other states are governed now if we try to understand that what are the various divisions which are there in the territorial waters of any coastal country so for example at one particular point the land is uh, it ends all right now from the land till the area of 12 nautical miles yes so this is the unit which we use for measuring the distance in the waters which is the nautical miles so up to the uh, up to the distance of 12 nautical miles this complete water is known as the territorial sea now from this territorial sea we have the contagious zone but the contagious zone starts from the territorial sea up to 12 nautical miles so which would mean that the total distance in the waters for the for the contagious zone would be 
so it would be 24 nautical miles then if we talk about the exclusive economic zone so it is up to 200 nautical miles from the baseline so for example if one at one particular point the land ends so from here until the distance of 200 nautical miles we would have the exclusive economic zone now what is the exclusive economic zone as the name itself is suggesting this is the zone of the water wherein that particular coastal country shall have exclusive rights to exploit the waters for any economic activities that could be like the ocean drilling the sea drilling or even fishing etc so the extent of the exclusive economic zone is up to 200 nautical miles from the baseline and beyond the exclusive economic zone we have the area of high sea wherein the law of innocent passage applies and any ship passing from there for basic navigational purposes is are allowed with this let's see what do we have for news and flash today ms swaminathan has been felicitated so as we know that ms swaminathan was the man who was behind the revolutionary green revolution in the country but also he has been making several efforts to eradicate tuberculosis in the country So for his contribution towards the eradication of tuberculosis he, uh, there is an NGO called as Reach which is a Chennai based NGO working towards eradication of tuberculosis for over 2 decades so he, for his contribution since 1988 ms swaminathan has instilled the need for a more holistic approach to tb by engaging communities and the private sector secondly prince philip passes away So Prince Philip who was the longest serving royal consort in British history has passed away at the age of 99. So he was a duke of Edinburgh and he visited India four times in the past. With this we are done for the day. We hope it was a good and informative session for you all. Thank you so much for staying tuned with Lawseco and please subscribe to our channels for such more updates to come.